Did you see that video? No. You like crap? Bitty. Bitty. Welcome to New Day, New Movie. The NDM podcast. Where we watch 365 movies. In 365 days. I'm Mitch. And I'm Scott. And flip that, and you've got Mitch and Scott. We're flipped. So this week. <laughs> <laughs> Our intro sucks. I don't know, man. Yeah. You'd think we would get this eventually, but. We're not even halfway. We it's got just, time. It's just part of that's us, right? We, that's just you know what you get with us. You're gonna get shit intros that we think we're funny or so. I don't even think we're funny. I don't know why we even try. But then we add good content followed by a shittier outro. Yes, and that outro <laughs> is that, our podcast. That, that you can guarantee, NDNM, you will have shittier outros <laughs> than intros. So you <laughs> thought this was bad? Just wait till later. Oh man. It's week 24. As you said, we're almost halfway. How you doing this week? I'm good, I think. Just okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. I was, I was in a pretty positive mood all week somehow. That's good. I was very busy and preoccupied with some big stuff going on. So when I cut that movie on every night, I just really wanted to enjoy my time at rest. And I think it, <laughs> I think it showed. <laughs> We had an interesting lineup of movies this week. We did. They were all over the place. Yeah. But um, before we jump into that, we'll do our new weekly segment. What's in the news? Do you have any news? I do, but I feel like you introduced it, which means you have news. I will start. I will take the lead on the news. Last episode was edited, probably obviously, by myself and not Jess, so I apologize. Uh, Jess had a convention and was busy doing her thing, and uh, she did really well, and that was awesome, and happy for her, and so sorry the content was lesser. Shout out to Peachy Pit Art. Yes. Go follow her on Instagram. Yes, indeed. Um, This weekend coming, we will find out if we ever have to see the Morbius trailer again, now that it's released. I'm... Do you think that we're going to see it before... I haven't really... Took it, taken, taken, Jesus. I haven't really taken note of if, like, while a movie is actually playing at the theater, if they're still showing the trailer. I think they kind of cycle them out. However, I was a little disappointed we did not see Morbius trailer at Morbius. Before Morbius, I know. How dare they? (laughs) I was really excited. I wanted to watch the movie twice, and they didn't let (laughs) me. For the price of one ticket, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Not to say I ever want to see that movie twice, but <laughs> uh, we'll get to that at the end of the week. But uh, last thing for me is there are some movies coming out that I am pretty excited for, which I felt like hasn't been the case in a while. Usually when we see trailers before movies, I'm like, <laughs> we have this, uh, our, our kind of running joke where when they show the A-list clip, 
where they're like, if you like th- those trailers, then sign up for A list. And yeah, I'm like, I kind of want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think my favorite part of Morbius was the trailers before it. There's some pretty interesting <laughs> things coming out in the in in the foreseeable months. So yeah, so excited. Uh, what was those. that one movie that will come out the last week of our podcast? Into the Into the Spider Verse, the new one, yes. whatever it's called. Into, I forget. Or, yeah, across the Spider Verse. Across the Spider Verse. Yeah, that's going to be what a finale that's going to be. So There's going to be a lot of build up to that. Yeah, we'll that's what's going to gonna keep what... me going, dude. Is knowing that's across the Spider Verse is at that fifty-two at the, at the week end. mark. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how that all works out. Watch, but. they're going to delay it by a week and I'm going to get pissed. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, we're not releasing it that week. We're going to know one more. And I'm like, oh, well, can't watch movies no more. Hey, Podcast uh, is over. Be, that could be, if you know, worst case, it'll be part of our cool down afterward. Because if we just completely stop doing this the second we're done with our year and we don't do any more episodes or movies or anything, I think we're going to lose our minds just as, as much as we've lost mm-hmm. it doing this so far. So maybe that'll be our first uh, single movie episode we'll do in the future or something. But Yeah. We shall see. All right, so what I have in the news, Bo Burnham won a Grammy for his song All Eyes on Me from his Netflix special Inside, mm-hmm. winning in the category Best Song Written for Visual Media. just want to say what a performance that was in the midst of the pandemic. Like That was art. Congratulations to him. I didn't follow any of the other Grammy stuff, but... That was a headline I saw. I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. Um, so we're all aware of IMDb, the Internet Movie Database. Mm-hmm. Are you also aware that there is a TMDB, the Movie Database? I believe so. There's okay. quite a few other ones. I was just I stumbled upon it today, and really? I thought it was interesting. And it seems like it's more like owned by the community than it is like a set group that oversees stuff so you get more honest responses to movies i think they're they're not as filtered of what comes through okay so it's more about reviews and stuff i mean it it follows the same format as imdb from what i saw okay Uh, lots of posters who's in it it's it's a very similar layout sure from my understanding it's more from the people who contribute to it because nothing's uploaded frequently, people have to upload to there to start a, like a thread about Interesting. each individual movie. Interesting. And my last thing is I do have a total of our minutes oh, no. of movies, but I might just hold off till till the halfway point. Yeah. We'll see where we're at in two weeks. Dude, we're up there. We keep picking long at well, they keep making long ass movies, even our new releases and all the old ones. I keep finding new older movies that I'm like, yes, I'm going to add that. And then I look at it and it's like two hours and 40 minutes. I'm like, I can't do that on a Wednesday, man. <laughs> I'm just saying by the time we hit like week 26, we're going to be like pushing 20,000 minutes of movies. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well over 300 hours. Ooh. Oof. I didn't think I'd be reacting this way until we got to talking about Morbius, but you got me going early. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of minutes. Yeah. So that's what's in my news. Nice. That was the new news. news. (laughs) Thank God we have someone put something better over that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Scott, what's our movies of week 24? Uh, Monday. The Tragedy of Macbeth. On Tuesday, Dog Day Afternoon, 
On Wednesday, the Ice Pirates. Thursday, Moon. Friday, There Will Be Blood. Saturday, To Catch a Thief. And Sunday, Morbius. Morbius. (laughs) So shall we? We shall. So Monday, Tragedy of Macbeth. This was actually... Denzel Washington was nominated for Best Actor, actor in a Lead Role, I believe, I believe for this. So, yeah. Uh, There's a few other nominations too for this one. Yeah, Best Actor, Best Production Design, and Best Cinematography. Okay, all right. Did it win anything? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is that a no? It looks or? like they were all just nominees. Okay, because I think. I think cinematography went to Dune. I think pretty much everything, everything went to went Dune. To Dune. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everything went to Dune and Coda won Best Picture. So I was yeah. a happy a happy camper. <laughs> anyway, Tragedy of Macbeth. <laughs> a Scottish lord becomes convinced by a trio of witches that he will become the next king of Scotland, and his ambitious wife supports him in his plans of seizing power. If you've read Macbeth in high school or you know anything about the story of Macbeth, this was Macbeth. Yeah, this is Macbeth. If you've seen the play... Seen one of the movie adaptations of Macbeth. You got this it. This is A24's version of yeah. that, which is just, just a Macbeth. little more black and white and weird. And <laughs> delivered with, okay, we'll just get into it. Because, so I, I, I know I said at the beginning I was positive all week, but I think it kicked in after this movie. I, I liked aspects of this, but I really didn't think this was anything special. I was going to say, I'm, I'm glad, not I'm glad they didn't win anything. Because like that's fucked up, but I'm glad they didn't win anything, so I don't feel bad about talking about this movie, not positively. I think if you look at what it was compared up next to, like it made sense as to why it didn't win the award. Yeah. Versus you know like Dune and um, just other things that it was nominated for. Dune. That's all we got. Dune, yeah. That's all we Dune. <laughs> like sweet. Ran the table, man. Yeah, it really did. But no, so I did read Macbeth in high school. Okay. Within the last few years, I have also seen the high school play of Macbeth at okay. the school I work at. And after- Was that better or worse than the movie? Well, here's what's interesting. <laughs> when watching the movie, I think that's really when it made me realize how good of a production the high school play was. Yeah, wow. Just in the sense that while I was watching it there, I had a very kind of vivid experience as to what was going on, even though everything was so like centered around a yeah, stage, quaint. right? But when they did the adaptations in this film, I kind of had that same flashback, but to the play of remembering those scenes in the play. And I'm like, holy cow, like what they were able to accomplish on that stage was huge. Not taking away anything from this movie. It just made that experience better because I was thinking to myself, holy crap, the fact that I was able to visualize those scenes as well as they portrayed it in their adaptation of Macbeth. And then this was played out. And I just, the budget was a lot smaller than I thought this was. Okay. And I can't find accurate information. Sure. But supposedly this is like a $200,000 budget. Okay. Which. Well, a lot of big names in it. So that's Yeah, I don't know how much of the budget went to them. If yeah. this was more of like a appreciation for Macbeth, which is why they took it on. I, I tried to do some research, but I was just really impressed, I think, more with the high school play than I was with this film. Yeah, I think... <clears throat> I think the they went for the style of this being a play, but kind of, I don't know, not even, I want to say like expanded to cinema, but still in a play form. But it- You bring it up a good evil, point though. It was very simplistic. 
Because if you look at IMDb's trivia page, or you read some articles about this, this entire movie uh, was shot on a soundstage. Okay. Minus like one scene at the very end of the film. So there was no exterior shots in this entire movie. Everything Mm -hmm. was kind of in this soundproof room that they built all of the sets. And so it was very play production-like. Yeah, which I think is a cool idea. I think what they tried to do was cool, but I just don't think... I mean, as a movie, I don't think it really worked all that well. I think it, I mean, there were, there were scenes that looked really good and there were scenes that didn't, I think, I don't know. It's hard to, because this was very, it was almost like a minimalist rendition of Macbeth in, you know, doing it, doing it that way all on a soundstage and not having the visuals and other things to kind of go along with it. It was very bare bones. And I think that was, I mean, it was obviously a stylistic choice, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't just no budget it was that was the intent but i think just that mixed with i thought the the smaller actors in this or the smaller performances i thought outshined the larger performances by like light years light yeah years i better. agree with that i think they really carried the story forward i mean that was one of my notes too was just you know shakespeare in itself is a very difficult thing to pull sure, off sure and definitely not everybody can really capture that style or even that what would you say accent well and it that, that was or like so that's the, a thing that's a gripe that i have that i thought made it very weird that it didn't ever quite click with me or why some people I think it worked better for is the delivery of Shakespearean. So what they do in this movie, right, is they they speak in traditional Shakespearean, like, mm-hmm. the, like the prose from the play. Yep. But they say it in a, like a modern day inflection, right? They just say it like we're talking now. So it's like if I was talking, you know, like Yoda... But just talking like how I sound right now, not putting any emphasis on anything or doing like to it, be it just, or not to be. That is the question. But like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't, it landed really odd for me. And I just thought some of, I, I guess maybe my expectations were very high considering that Denzel was nominated for best actor for this role. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will think what say we're from trying the to sheer say, memorization of the lines, yeah. everyone in this movie, I mean, that that alone is a phenomenal feat. But like you said, a high school playgroup can do this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's just, I don't want to shit on it because like I didn't hate it, but it just wasn't. I think what we're trying to say is like special. the performances weren't bad. No, but not like at you all. said, they were outshined by the secondary characters yeah, in this absolutely. film. So when you have those compared, like comparatively in the same film, it's hard not to address that situation or that elephant in the room and be like, "Let me just pull up one of the the people's names here." Well, Alex Hassel was Ross. I thought he did a really good job. I mean, Brendan Gleeson did great, but he was only in it for he was King Duncan, so he dies early. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. <laughs> He, he but, dies. Uh, <laughs> dude, this movie came out this year. <laughs> yeah, dude. This <laughs> I hadn't gotten a chance to see it yet. Who else? I thought it was... I, one thing I did enjoy was getting to see uh, Harry Melling in something other than... Harry Potter. Harry Potter, yeah. He was also in a movie that we were going to try to watch, 
but I had seen it and you you hadn't. Oh, is he in uh, the the Tom Holland one on yeah. Netflix? Mm-hmm. Ah, he's in that as well. The devil all the time. Devil all the time. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he's doing other stuff besides uh, Dudley. Yeah, I did old Dudley. <laughs> but it was cool to see him. You know, that was nice. No, I think this was really interesting. I think with the lower budget, it makes me think that people had a passion in wanting to do this. Sure. Instead I, of just going out for a paycheck. Yeah, I do feel like there was some heart behind it of wanting to do this. I mean, I liked I liked this style. I liked the black and white. I liked it just, I don't know. I guess I was expecting so much more. And I think like, and I, I can't speak for this because I was never an actor, but I, I'm sure there has to be some appreciation for Shakespeare and plays and everything. So just oh, yeah. being able to portray a part, especially on such a large scale as, you know, this was, I, you know, I, I think that was probably an awesome experience for them to be able to do that, whether they were in their own high school rendition of Macbeth yeah. and then being able to see it sure, as a yeah. film or something. Yeah, I mean, that'd be, that'd be kind of a cool, you know, if like Denzel was was in high school Macbeth play or something and like does this now. Yeah. And that's then, like a niche thing for his family. And whatever, again, we, friends, I have but, no proof of that, sure. but it just might be something that came to my mind. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, like I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not shitting on it. I didn't think it was bad. I just compared to, I guess the hype around it, which I will say before we move on that this was our, our both pick. This wasn't a me or Mitch pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I jumped on the grenade that is because, Morbius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, after after the Oscars, honestly, we wanted to kind of have our picks of what we wanted to win in areas. And a lot of the, the ones that we had seen most of the movies, Tragedy of Macbeth was one of the movies that out had of a- the other five that, you know, that we thought if we watched this, we'd have a good enough kind of span of seeing... The, the best picture nominees and then some other ones to be able to kind of say, hey, we think, you know, this was like, like our, this, pick, this was this our nominee. research for our March Madness bracket. That was the Oscars <laughs> nominations. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that works. Anyway. Not too so, bad at start of a week. No, no, it wasn't, wasn't a bad start by any means. I feel like we've had much worse, but I mean, would you, we still got to rate it. We don't get any points individually for it, but uh, would you recommend this? Would you? I don't know. I guess that was bad because I don't really know how we're rating these still, and nobody cares. So I don't know why we're still. <laughs> I think when I think of a rating for myself, I have to go back to what I said a few weeks ago: was would I watch this again? Like almost a, a rating for myself, not for anybody else, because you know nobody cares, uh, as we we mentioned. <laughs> But uh, this is a tough one to to say that. It, like, it's such a small group of people that yeah. I think would, I would, uh, you know, be like, hey, Friday night, go watch Tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah, it's not one of those. You know, like if you have an appreciation for Shakespeare, it's one of those like, you probably have already seen it. Sure, yeah. Versus if you don't, I don't think you're really looking for this style of movie if you're, you know, sitting down to watch something with the family or just to kick back and relax. It's a, yeah, it's not one of those kinds of movies just in, based on the fact that it's Shakespeare. I mean, I haven't been exposed to any Shakespeare since high school. I'm sure you haven't either, right? 
I found it difficult. It took me probably about half the movie to like get back to, I know what the fuck is happening because, because this is hard to understand. I'm not going to lie. See, I think what I had for an advantage going into this was I had seen, seen a rendition of it just a few years back. And then I also pulled up uh, Macbeth on my phone. Oh, yeah. And it, I was just following along so on my phone can... <laughs> just to see how That's accurate what... they were portraying. And there was some changes that they made to okay. s- just a few lines of delivery. But sure. for most of it was pretty spot on. That would have been but, nice because I thought reading from subtitles would make it easier to follow, but they just went through it so quick that I just couldn't keep up for the first like 15 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is happening? Good thing I know what happens in the story of Macbeth. But yeah, if I'm being true to myself <laughs> and if I would watch this again, it'd probably be, I, I've seen what I need to see, so it'd have to be a zero for me. Okay. But it was a it was a good movie. Sure. So that's why it's hard to say zero or one. I just, yeah, I feel you. I just don't. Yeah, I don't think it was a bad movie, but I, I think I would have to go zero too. I don't think I would recommend it to anyone. I mean, if you've seen Macbeth or read Macbeth, you know the story and I really just, I don't know. I could see them starting to play this though in high schools when covering Macbeth. I feel like I watched some version of that when I read Macbeth back in high school yeah. from like the 70s or something. So I definitely could see this becoming the new normal for sure. Here's the play. But I feel like we've been on this for far too long. Yeah, that's true. So jumping into Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday. My pick, Dog Day Afternoon with Al Pacino. It's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunkachino. Don't mind if I do. What's my name? Dunkachino. Tony Montana. Isn't that from, uh, what's that shitty Adam Sandler movie where he plays his sister? Jack and Jill. Yeah, Jack and Jill. Isn't (laughs) isn't Al Pacino in it? I haven't seen that. Neither have I, but I figured we've both seen enough of it to know that. Oh, shit. Never mind. Coming next week, Jack and Jill. (laughs) Fuck that. No, thanks. No, thanks. Yeah, no, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) That's Stott's pick. Anyway, it's it's Tuesday. (laughs) Dog day afternoon. Three amateur bank robbers plan to hold up a bank. A nice, simple robbery. Walk in, take the money, and run. Unfortunately, the supposedly uncomplicated heist suddenly becomes a bizarre nightmare as everything that could go wrong does. So this is based upon a real-life incident which occurred in August 1972 in which a Chase Manhattan Bank branch in Gravesend, Brooklyn, New York was held siege by Sonny, a Vietnam veteran turned bank robber determined to steal enough money Twenty five hundred dollars for his wife, Leon, a man, uh, which the two were, according to an on screen TV news report, married in a church by a priest who was defrocked shortly after. <laughs> and the money was for Leon, his wife, to undergo a sex change operation, which the real life character uh, who Leon is based on did, in fact, get the operation. So there you go. That should get cover. It, <laughs> Eat my dick. Get it. Cut. Yes, we've finally seen the actual. We saw the Attica clue. To the joke. But yes, in this he he screams Attica out on the in front of the bank, getting the crowd riled up. And now we know what Rafi was mistaking for Attica. 
It only now t- we get it. It only took us, what, 20-something weeks to get here, but <laughs> yeah. now we know. Hey, we started with, you know, we didn't look into it. We started with Gattaca, and then we realized that that doesn't make any fucking sense <laughs> of why he was yelling that. So we de- we dove deeper, and uh, we found it. We watched Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> but uh, this was great. This, this was, was a really good movie. This was fucking hilarious, too, I thought. Just the whole premise was, I mean, the fact that this happened was a real story is just crazy yeah this uh sent me down the rabbit hole just to kind of see how much of it was a true story yeah. and how much was influenced by hollywood sure and from what i read for the most part everything that happened in this film happened <laughs> like there wasn't a lot Jeez. of like outside <laughs> like there wasn't anything added really to make this more hollywood interesting um so the person john wadjewitz Wadowitz. Sonny, essentially. That's his name. Uh, he described this as a very moving experience, but he wrote a letter to the culture editor of the New York Times protesting that the film did not show the whole truth, and the little it did show was constantly twisted and distorted. But the events that happened are all true. It's just how they depicted the events, which is where he had some discrepancy. Like He said his biggest problem was that the film hinted very dramatically that he made some kind of deal to betray his partner, Sal. And he said that is not true. There is no human being low enough in the world who would let the FBI kill his partner And uh, in order for them to, themselves to survive, which I, I, I understand that. Sure. I didn't feel like the movie really I don't really feel like it depicted it that, that though. No. It seemed like it was just... He was confused about what was going to happen. Yeah. Like the FBI agent no insinuated. Until it was about to happen that they were going to end up killing Sal. But um, He also stated that the casting of his wife, um, he had some issues with, stating that the film made Carmen look horrible and inferred that I left her and winded up in the army of a gay man because of her. This is completely untrue, and I feel sorry for the actress for having to play such a horrible role. Wow. So those are like the two biggest things. But if you look at the actual events of everything that took place, they were with they were in this chase bank for 14 hours. Uh, the people in the bank actually started to come around as to like how much they liked these people being yeah. in the bank with them. It's like just it, crazy. It was less of like a kidnapping and more of just like they were hanging out, eating pizza, <laughs> you know, yeah. just living their life while 250 cops were outside trying to, you know, de-escalate the situation. God, the the one woman who like went out and then she goes back in or she's like, can we keep her? She's like, no, I'm going back in. <laughs> she's like, my girls so my, are in there. My girls are in there. You're taking me out. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was so really something. He got, in real life, he got a sentence to a 20 year sentence and he only did five. So he was out like three mo- or three. Uh, Three years. Three movies. Three movies man. after him. Time and movies, man. Jesus. We got it all twisted. God, I hate that I do that. <laughs> uh, but no, he was out three years after this movie was released. Wow. Uh, so he got like a special allowance to watch it in prison, I guess. Really? There were some like riots <laughs> around if he was going to be able to watch it. So that's why he wow. was able to write his article to the New York Times and say, well, you know... This is how I feel. That's fascinating, man. This entire like, story is whole, fascinating. Yeah, just yeah, the whole situation, everyone involved. <laughs> like I don't even know what to say. I mean, like we're not even talking about the movie at this point. We're talking about the events. 
but the real life events yeah yeah but um but i mean the movie uh, did a great job you do you you start to feel for uh, even sal who's who's definitely a nut job mm-hmm. in the movie at least I'm, i mean they're all nut jobs in probably real life too and yeah but uh <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's just crazy al pacino though in his prime man he's such a like a meme now from like what though you looking up al pacino meme <laughs> Let's see here. He's in House of Gucci, which he's I have in a seen. fuck ton of stuff. He's in The Irishman, which I haven't I seen. feel like it's just the like the face. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I have what seen was, that. What movie was that face from? Ocean's movies. Uh, yeah, that face. I just don't know what movie the face is I from. mean, obviously Scarface, too. A dunk-a-dunk-a-dunk-a-dunk-a-chino. <laughs> Man, we fell down a shit <laughs> rabbit hole, and t- nothing I'm, was talked about. I'm trying to just, like... <laughs> I feel like she could use this point to just like do like really slow dissolves between different parts of our conversation and make it seem like we were talking yeah. for a long time, yeah. but we actually said nothing for like five minutes. Like, a, like looking a up Al Pacino montage of us talking. I got you, homie. Yeah. Oh gosh. But we found nothing. Anyway, Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. I think th- does this movie make the IMDb top? 250 list maybe not no so my guess is this movie was at one point on the top 250 list because essentially from movies 217 to 250 they are all ranked or rated an 8.0 and this also has an 8.0 rating on imdb okay so i don't know if it's like the amount of reviews boasts things higher than others but I would say, yeah, this at one point was probably on the list for top 250 movies. I do think it's commendable that they made a movie about a real event and they didn't totally blow it, you know, blow smoke up its ass just to make it more entertaining. I mean, there's not a whole lot. (laughs) This, This whole story is pretty entertaining on its own, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure this was across headlines everywhere. Yeah. And people heard about this, these events, you know, transpiring back in 1972. So when yeah, the movie I, came out, people were probably familiar with what it was and were just happy to kind of see a different perspective on the entire situation versus what the media was able to cover. Speaking of which, that one scene where it showed media coverage, the guys were wearing like fucking Ghostbusters suits with their cameras. I just thought oh, that really? was hilarious. <laughs> like these giant ass tanks on their back, and they're you know all these weird looking cameras to capture footage. Big ass cameras, man. Back in the seventies, bro. Time, different time. No, I, I mean, I just think this was really it was well made. It was one of the probably the second most enjoyable movie this week. It's just an enjoyable movie. I mean, for me, it's also it starts out with one of my favorite Elton John songs, "Anne Marina." What more could you ask for? Exactly. <laughs> but no, Dog Day Afternoon, fantastic movie. One out of one for me. One for you, one for me. We are one for two. One for thee. <laughs> awesome. One for two this week. Moving on. So on Wednesday, one of my picks, we watched The Ice Pirates. In the far future, water is the most valuable substance. Two space pirates are captured, sold to a princess, and recruited to help her find her father who disappeared when he found information dangerous to the rulers. A real space opera with sword fights, 
explosions, fighting robots, monsters, bar fights, and time warps. The Ice Pirates. <laughs> so you have three words on this, huh? I have three words. What are That's those three it. words? My is notes, it what the fuck? My notes are literally three words, and it is indeed what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> I I've, I'll let you talk first because you had some interesting. You said this was a children's movie, huh? Okay, so I th- from the way people talked about it, it made it seem like it was a children's movie. Because when people talked about Ice Pirates, they're like, "That is a movie that I watched when I was young with the family." Yeah, but how young? I don't know. I'm just saying though, like the movie's PG, which obviously meant something much different in the 80s than it does now. Yes, <laughs> and yeah. this is that doesn't mean <laughs> this is very apparent of that. Okay. Necessarily. To say this is a kids' movie is probably a stretch. Okay. But okay. But like I said, a lot of the reviews that I kept kind of seeing where people were so the people protective, who are fond of this they were protective of this film. From childhood. This is a okay. this is a childhood favorite of theirs. Okay. Which is why I just Interesting. made the connection to myself of sure. PG, childhood memories, must be a kids' movie. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. Okay. This movie the, the ship gets space herpes. Yeah. Gets movie. The movie's like an in-between of Star Wars and Spaceballs. No, like I this don't think it stretches the Spaceballs. Everything. But with a hint of Mad Max, Goonies, everything. swashbucklers. I mean This movie is so I I asked my dad, and I was gonna ask you as well, because I have a theory. Because I was, I was disappointed in this at first, or at least for the first half of the movie, for most of the movie actually. <laughs> I was just like, I was really, really excited for this one because it looks like right up my alley, yep. right? And this was just so bad. <laughs> it was so bad, but and and not even like so bad. It was good. It was just so bad. And I was shocked for a while, but then with all of the references and things that they pulled from other movies, it made me think, what if this was the first, like, parody movie? Or not the first, but, like, what if this was intended to be, you know, like, scary movie? That's what it seemed like it was. they take all of these scenes from all of these movies and put it into one movie comically, and it's ridiculous. This really felt like it was trying to be a parody of all of these movies. And I think it was, because I don't think this movie ever takes itself too seriously. No, that's true. Like, everything is definitely... Also, it takes itself so not seriously at times. that (laughs) It's just kind of... I don't know, man. I I would watch this again, though. I had a lot of fun watching (laughs) this. I'm not going to lie. I was just so confused. (laughs) Like, I was... I think I was on... A Reddit thread in movies or something, and somebody had mentioned this movie, and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> so Sounds then, awesome. So then I went to IMDb and I started looking at this, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Angelica Houston's in this. Ron yeah, Perlman's yeah. in it. Uh, Ron- John Matazutak, who played a uh, uh, sloth in the Doonies. Yeah, he's a football player. He's a football right? player. Yeah. yeah, he's in that, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh shit! This this looks sick." Um, and I had a lot of fun. I mean. There's like a pimp robot in this movie. <laughs> um, there's a super awkward sex scene that resulted in a child in like five minutes. Time warps, man. Time warps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have, like you said, all of these connections or like 
interpretations of all these different films yeah, it's played such out. Such a complex story just for the sake of putting in everything they possibly could. It's fucking bonkers. Like <laughs> that's the only that's the only thing I can say about it. It's absolutely insane. But part of me was like challenged last week because you had kind of your cult classic D film. And this was kind of my let's throw in an eighties sure cult class i can't i don't know i I could see it having that following oh yeah yeah I'm you know sure. and I, i'm sure people will praise this movie above anything else they've ever seen in their life because it, it really there's not really a lot of good things to say about <laughs> <No>. it <laughs> the acting is again it feels intentional but like the acting shit <laughs> the, this felt like oh what's that what's that samurai cop like the, the all the reaction shots yep. that are just random and, <laughs> and so bizarre. Placed this in had there. stuff like that where they just randomly had someone with a super delayed reaction to something that didn't match the situation, or I, it was just so I don't know, it was bizarre. But I did, I did kind of like thinking back on it. I feel like I would tell people about it, get a case of beer, and sit down and watch it with people. <laughs> but I didn't really enjoy it that much i think i was more just kind of disappointed because i of what i wanted it to be you expected but something i but i that. had a good time anyway and yeah i mean i would absolutely watch this again so a lot of people say like this movie for them and i don't get why they say this but they said it held them over between star wars movies yet Episode six came out in eighty three and this came out say. in eighty four and they didn't even know that episode one was coming out in ninety nine. So I really don't know how this held you between those movies. Yeah. I also read this is for the people who couldn't afford Star Wars. Like <laughs> we have Star <laughs> Wars at it, home. That's what it feels like. <laughs> can we watch Star Wars? We have Star Wars at home. Yes, you can watch Ice Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is that is the perfect description of this movie. This is for the people that couldn't afford to see Star Wars, <laughs> or Mad Max, or <laughs> just so many movies. No, this oh, thing, man. this was ridiculous, and I, I don't know what to say. Like, it was such a bad movie, but I just found myself loving all of it because it just it kept pushing the boundaries of how crazy it wanted to get it was just i think what took me out of it was there was no like rhyme or reason to half the shit (laughs) and it took me a while to like i said i was positive and ready to shut my brain off but i think i was i was really excited for this one so it kind of i needed to get into the right mindset and i wasn't in that mindset i was in more of a uh you know a a fun I, i was expecting more of a gore I guess, and this wasn't quite that. That was it's also a different kind of bad movie. Yeah, I was thinking when I first saw it, I was like, "This could be our new door kind of fill in." It also came out the same year as Buckaroo Banzai. Yes, across the say, eighth dimension. That's what it felt like. Where it just felt like taking all of these genres and movies that already existed and shoving them into one, and just making the biggest most ridiculous amalgamation of movie that you could possibly imagine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It was crazy. So 
You were on the fence at first. How are you feeling now? I I mean, I, I'm going to give it a one. I, I wasn't really, I, I don't know. I guess it didn't come across right because I wasn't really on the fence. It just wasn't what I was expecting. So one of the pieces of trivia, again, on the IMDb page, you can take it for what it's worth because I think it's like a Wikipedia page. Anybody can just post Add shit. Yeah. The film was intended to be a serious sci-fi film with a $20 million budget, but MGM slashed the budget to $8 million and had the script rewritten as a comedy. Okay. So when you look at it that way of maybe you did have a higher budget, you had an idea for what your script wanted to be, and then somebody's like, oh, by the way, you only get ha- you get less than half your budget. Make these changes. You know, you're going to have a ridiculous outcome. <laughs> so did I hear earlier you gave this a one? I would give this a one. And a one from me. So we are two out of three on this week. Two for three, baby. Let's go. Moving into... Thursday. Thursday. My pick with Moon. Astronaut Sam Bell has a quintessentially <laughs> Astronaut Sam Bell has a quintessentially personal encounter toward the end of his three year stint on the moon, where he, working alongside his computer Gertie, sends back to Earth parcels of a resource that has helped diminish our planet's power problems. So somehow I had never heard of this movie. Really? And I'm very surprised after like researching the appreciation for this film that this one passed me by. This was good stuff, man. I I, I like Sam Rockwell is another actor for me that is just one of my favorites. And I like him in pretty much anything and everything he's in. Yeah, he's he's a cool dude. Yeah, he's a cool dude. He dances in all his movies and I love it. Um <laughs> I do, I just like him in and everything I think I've seen him in. And uh, this was this was no different. This was uh, yeah. This was super interesting. Definitely a lot more depth than I thought it was going to have. Um, just from very little knowledge of the movie when I started it. Sure. Uh, super intriguing storyline. Like the whole idea of like clones with memories that are essentially like a free labor source for a company. And then there's this like whole twisted storyline and manipulation of your family to get you to work and the promise of, oh, you only have three years left on your contract. Like this thing raised so many more questions for me, like this movie did, than I think I had answers to, but I was all right with that. Like I'm glad not everything was explained or addressed in the movie. Like my first thing that I appreciated about the film was the old style of like cinema because there's lots of practical effects in here. Mm Mm-hmm. There's very little, if no special effects really at all. Yeah, like I love the rover. Use of it goes sets, out. miniatures, like very old style cinema. That was really cool to see something more current pulling off those older techniques that, you know, people really appreciated about movies from the 80s and 90s and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but like you said, Sam Rockwell, absolutely awesome in this movie. Him interacting with himself, I know, playing yeah. different personalities of himself was just insane. Yeah, and I thought they did a really good job. Not that, you know, playing two people in a movie is insane and unheard of and hard to do necessarily, but making it believable where you're not, you know, you have those scenes where you're like, okay, they're on two sides of the room. Like you're 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 kind of thinking how how do they act this out, how this play out in in filming kind of thing. But you never really hit that point in this movie because you, you you're intrigued. Right, you're 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 attentive, and he he really draws you in with 
interacting with himself, you know? Well, I think what I never got bored, I guess. I never was like, okay, let me think about this situation. Well, I think what sets this performance apart from a lot of those others ones, though, is like you think of something like, let's say, The Parent Trap, right? Lindsay Lohan plays twins, like two different girls. So it's easy to have a different personality. Whereas in this performance, they're clones of the same person, yet they all have their own personality but different, which is yeah. of the same person. Right. And I that's mean, one of them is three years alone. Wiser, wiser and alone. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's cool to kind of see. It's like a see, psychological thing. Yeah. Well, it's cool to see the, the understanding that he put in for the older version of himself. You can really see him kind of like sympathizing mm-hmm. with his older self. But he is wiser and, you know, he, he has changed quite a bit. And I, I don't know, just the reaction or interaction between himself him and himself. And, <laughs> yeah. Which you got to think too, even just not even necessarily in terms of the story, but in acting, him interacting with Gertie. I mean, the, this entire movie is basically just him in by himself. Space station alone. Yeah. With a... Artificial intelligent robot. Which that didn't age well. Um, what's his name? Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey as a as a kind of creepily spoken robot <laughs> was a little weird to me. Jesus. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I have anyway. some questions for Scott's thoughts. Scott's thoughts. Okay, so this is the movie I chose to give you my questions. Okay. So number one. Do you think the clones had a three-year lifespan? I I was thinking that yes. Like, do I they mean, I, I do would they have say, a three-year lifespan, or is it more of an intentional? We're going to send them out on a mission that's almost ultimately going to result in their death, so we don't have to take care of that clone anymore. Well, so I thought they were going to directly address that. Honestly, in the mm-hmm. movie, I was waiting for them to explain that, and I'm glad. They didn't. That's what I said. It wasn't necessary. Posed a lot of questions. But uh, I do think, I mean, they show in the the footage of when he finds the older clone go in and get into the little incinerator escape pod thing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, That he was sick, right? I mean, every instance that we saw of previous clones, they were sick by the end of their three years. So... I don't know how you would engineer that. I think that's a very interesting concept. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty cool. And that's why I, I was kind of waiting for them to explain it, I guess. But I do think I do think that they had a three-year lifespan, which is pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy because everything about it, essentially like the clone wakes up with memories of an actual person. Up to... Up to this point. Their first day on this moon job. And essentially they are told, you were in an accident, you're better now, you have three years left on your mission. It's basically like a week's worth of memories are not accounted for, and they explain it away with an accident happened, you know, mm-hmm. you don't remember anything. It's cool. Get so back to they're it. essentially like programmed to believe all of these things, which kind of comes into this whole discussion as are they human or are they like, you know, that was just a interesting conversation in itself. And I guess what was interesting to me too, was that some of the clones were aware of some things that others were not kind of like the, the second clone in the film 
was able to realize that the model had previously been worked on, yet he had, would have never done any work to that point. Where the first guy was like, oh yeah, I've been working on this for 900 hours. And that's all he knew, but he was continuing on work that he doesn't remember putting in. Yeah. Because that was my other thing. It was three years pass, right? There's going to be production and things will change. How do the clones address those new memories unless they're pulling memories from the old clones in the incinerator to give to the new clone? So it doesn't well, I, seem like... I don't think... Because they never never recovered the old body, so you can't say... Yeah, I don't think they're pulling any new memories, I think. Because it seemed like that whole town was like his hometown or something, <laughs> right? That's kind of what's insinuated. And so, yeah, I mean, that's I guess that's technically kind of a plot hole of just why wouldn't he question when he came back, like, this is already here? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I get, I get why it was posed that way for the story, and it yeah. works in the story, but yeah, and I, I mean, I think too, like if you want to poke holes, I think you could, because I do think one thing that I I thought was a little odd was their reaction to each other, like when they first well, they come face to face with yeah. each other, yeah, it felt a little like they weren't shocked about them being there being two of them. They were just kind of like, "Hey, this is cool," and the other, the new one was like, "Hey, this is annoying," and like, I don't know, it was, it just didn't seem like a, it's kind of a weird reaction. But you also don't know. I mean, obviously, this is in the future where a lot of shit has progressed, so maybe clones aren't abnormal. Maybe that's not a weird thing. It's just they didn't know that was a thing, so they're just kind of grappling with. I don't know. Yeah, it and doesn't three seem years, like Sam is definitely a lot more easygoing and yeah. less to question. That's just kind of his nature at that point, just because, I mean, you've had three years here and you're ready to get home and that's kind of all that's on your mind. So I think it, it all works, but. Yeah. And we are... don't know what life is on earth. So we don't really know the scope of where technology is at. Obviously they have a base on the moon where they're essentially providing an alternative energy source. And there's these giant rovers and space stations and, yeah, it all seems plausible in the sense of what they were able to build. But yeah, that was one of my little, I, I tried to ignore it of like, why why aren't they having a bigger reaction to each other? Yeah. But no, this, this movie gave me quite the afternoon of thoughts afterwards. I was just pondering so many things. More of like, how had I not ever heard of this movie? But. <laughs> no, I remember, I mean, we were in high school when this came out. And I remember, uh, I mean, this was back in like, you know, really big torrent days. Mm. So I remember somebody had this movie on his like, at the time, f you know, 350 gig hard drive <laughs> that had like <laughs> all his four gig a piece blu-ray downloads that you know he had like a hundred movies or some shit and uh this was one of them that i had gotten so i got this and uh pandorum you remember pandorum you ever see that mm -mm. that's a good movie i'll tell you about ben foster no no oh shit i got those two and i think something was wrong with the file for moon so i never watched it but i had planned to and then my dad had rented it on his own or whatever but anyway but yeah, this is uh, definitely an interesting film for me. I'm glad it was very open-ended. I'm glad nothing 
was too forcefully explained. It's more believable for something where where there are a lot of questions and you know that there's a lot of holes that could be poked to just kind of leave it like that. I appreciate that more because you you can fill in the blanks however you want if you want to put that much thought into it and yeah. try and, you know, figure out what happened when he got back and stuff like that. I was I was concerned, especially with the state of movies these days where He's going to get back to Earth and they're going to show all of that and they're going to show him seeing his daughter and they're going to, you know, it's like that isn't needed for this movie. And they knew that. And that's incredible. Yeah, there's a couple kind of like news reports that you could hear. Yeah, they show you a few things to be like, okay, he made it. Right, we're we're not going to leave that open ended because I thought that would have been fine too if they just he sent him off, off and, and we just, don't know yeah. we don't know what happens. It seems crazy that he would make it, but they do tell you that much at least, and he makes it, and he starts you know some legal shit with the ethics of the company that's doing all this, and that's it. You don't see any of it, you don't hear any of it. It's just like these things are in motion. Okay, bye. I know my two biggest surprises. For this movie were? Shoot. Benedict Juan, Matt Berry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt Berry especially. <laughs> Just I feel like he wasn't, I don't, I don't know, but I feel like he wasn't popular here in 2009. Like he was more, he's got a bunch of stuff from the UK back then, I think, but he's more popular here recently. Um, but yeah, that was pretty cool. Good pitch, Scott. One out of one for me. One for me as well. Three out of four. Doing good. Not too bad. We've been doing good. This rating system has definitely, it's either made us think harder about our picks or it's put how much we do like the movies we're watching in perspective because I feel like even movies, we kind of have shit to talk about them. We end up rating Mm -hmm. where we wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, moving on into Friday. Friday. There will be blood. One of my picks. I have a very short one and a very long one. I'm going to read them both. (laughs) Oh, God. A story of family, religion, hatred, oil, and madness, focusing on a turn-of-the-century prospector in the early days of the business. I feel like you could take oil out of that. This was a movie about oil that had nothing to do with oil. Well, that was the short one. (laughs) Here's the long one. The intersecting life stories of Daniel Plainview and Eli Sunday in early 20th century California is presented. Minor turn oilman Daniel Plainview is a driven man who will do whatever it takes to achieve his goals. He works hard, but he also takes advantage of those around him at their expense if need be. His business partner is his son, H.W., who in reality he acquired when H.W.'s biological single father, who worked on one of Daniel's rids, got killed in a workplace accident. Daniel is deeply protective of H.W., if only for what H.W. brings to the partnership. Eli Sunday is is one in a pair of twins whose family farm Daniel purchases for the major oil deposit located on it. Eli, the local preacher and self-proclaimed faith healer, wants the money from the sale of the property to finance his own church. The lives of the two competitive men often clash to Dan... Jesus Christ, this is so long. Yeah. (laughs) Where the hell is (laughs) Okay. The lives of the two competitive men often clash as Daniel pumps oil off of the property and tries to acquire all the surrounding land at bargain prices to be able to build a pipeline to the surrounding... Nope. <laughs> build a pipeline to the coast 
and as Eli tries to build his own religious empire. Holy fuck. <laughs> that was a lot. That was a long synopsis for a long movie. Probably the short one. <laughs> <laughs> so this was based off of a book called Oil by Upton Sinclair, which came out in 1927. And that's all the research I did on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this wasn't, it's not based on a true story. It's, it's fictional history, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it, it is, from what I did read, a pretty accurate depiction of California at the time period. Okay. Um, of just, you know, the types of people out, the 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 business moves people were making and, and whatnot. But uh, I don't even want to talk about any of that. I just want to talk about Daniel Day-Lewis in this, regardless of the rest of the movie's content was incredible. Absolutely fantastic. It was incredible. Him and Paul Dano. So you, this was, uh, tell so, yeah. me about the reason why you picked this, right? All right. So I picked this movie because recently it's been receiving some attention and reviewings in the past few weeks due to the Batman, which okay. has Paul Dano, who plays the Riddler. And a lot of people are comparing his performance in that to this, um, which are both excellent performances. But I've actually had a lot of students over the last few weeks ask me if I've seen this movie almost immediately after they saw the Batman. Okay. Like they saw the Batman. I think they were very surprised at how well the performance of the Riddler was. And then that gave them some research. And at the time, I think this was playing on Netflix, which I did not find this on Netflix when I watched it. It was on Paramount, I think. Um, either way, that brought up some some light on this movie. And a lot of kids had asked me, have you seen this movie? And I was like, uh, no. Which I was a little embarrassed to say, because this is an exceptional movie. So I, I knew I had to throw it on the list just because of relevancy, mm-hmm. as well as being able to actually have a nice conversation about this with my students. Nice. Yeah, I, I'm same boat. I don't know why I haven't seen this. This was another one that like everybody, when I said this was what I was watching that day, everyone was like, you haven't seen that? Yeah, but, like I said, uh, I think it got more people were starting to talk about it after and, the Batman. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. This this movie was just so much more. I thought this movie was going to be about oil. That's why I said jokingly in the beginning that this movie is an oil movie that has nothing to do with oil because yes, there's oil in it and that's like what's happening in mm-hmm. the movie, but it has nothing to fucking do with the story or the movie. It's no. these people and their, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Their differences of views on life. I would almost say of what's valued, what's expected. Well, it's another one of those. What they strive to be. Didn't we just watch a movie where, what movie was it where it was just like, I need to win at all costs? I feel like we just watched a movie fairly recently. Where somebody has to win at all costs? Where somebody was just trying, like, the, it was it was kind of a like depressing movie, and it was just someone just needed to be the better person. Oh, uh, like Nightmare Alley, kind of. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Where Bradley Cooper just had that thing where he just needed to be better than everyone. And then you find out that the whole motivation from the therapist. Yeah. I kind of Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Where she, like that was her whole driving force was just because she, she got her ego, you know, she got a blow to the ego from him Mm -hmm. making a fool of her at the show 
And that was the whole reason for orchestrating the whole thing. And it's just like two people whose egos are way too fucking big just shitting all over each other. And that's basically what this movie was too. That's actually a good way to put it because Daniel and Eli coming from different... They're both trying to throw their weight around at each other. They're just kind of like... And they take their jabs when they're able to Mm -hmm. and they definitely put each other in a situation of humiliation mm-hmm. and yeah a lot of a lot of underhanded stuff just just trying to like assert their dominance on each other and really almost trying to just disprove the other ways other person's way of like their thoughts in the universe and how everything is and you know do you actually believe something or are you just saying that to make a quick buck which they're kind of both which i didn't even get that to that level of their philosophy, to be honest. That was one of the tools they used against each other. But to me, it just felt like these were two extremely egotistical people that were, you know, in their own realm mm-hmm. of, of life and, and stature, whatever, were at the highest point or, try, you know, uh, trying to be the highest of their respective, I don't know, professions, I guess. And like it was just the two of them who were just, they're just trying to show the other person that they weren't as good as it was just like it's this weird, crazy, fucked up competition between the two of them. And they're not even, that's the funniest part is they're not even in the same, it's not like two oil tycoons going at it against each other because they're business competitors. Yeah. It's like a, a whole much deeper seated, just, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It was kind of wild. And they did a they did an amazing job of showing that. Yeah, when I think back on this movie and how much actually took place, like I'm really surprised because first off, this this is not a, a short movie by any means. It's no two hours and thirty eight minutes long, and a lot happens in two hours but and thirty eight. They minutes. definitely utilize that <laughs> yeah full runtime to their to their benefit because there's a lot of shit that goes down. Um, and their passage of time was really well shown with either characters aging or mm. the progression of like the wells that they were digging. Like you'd see from nothing to something. And it just, it was, a, it was a cool way to just sh- show a lot of shit happening without having to show it happening. You yeah. know? Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie though. I I I think what sold it for me over anything was the performances. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um I mean I think this would be a fine movie swapping them out with anyone else, but that's what makes this a a great movie mm-hmm. to me, I think is is how well they did and the two of them especially their their interaction with each other. I mean, they're the two most important people in the movie and they both you believe both of them in that role, right? Yep. I also thought, which is something that, I, I mean, I, I think last week I talked a little about score and it, whether or not it stands out to you as a good or bad thing. Um, but this one did stand out to me. I thought it was noticeable, but in the best way. Like it really, I thought the score for this movie was fantastic and it really it really set the tone for a lot of scenes mm-hmm. that... that I mean, a lot of this movie is just interaction between people, right? There's yep. no there's no big event going on. There's no real... It's just people 
kind of having conversation, but the score really set the mood. Well, I think what set it apart, though, is it was so... It wasn't something you expected the score to be for a film like this. No, it was almost like an unsettling horror movie kind yes. of score, and which really worked well. That I, I was built the suspense really well, even though, like you said, it was just people living their lives and having conflict with each other. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is just a good example of a good story, great writing. good production value, elevated even more by... Great performances, great score. Like I think, just every little aspect of this it captures movie just kind of built on each other, right? They all kind of accentuated each other. So I'm interested to know: is this your second favorite movie, or is this your favorite movie of the week? I would say this is my second favorite movie of the week. Okay, because you had mentioned with Dog Day Afternoon that that was your second okay, favorite. You're right. I think Dog Day and this are probably tied. Okay, from from an enjoyability standpoint. Um, but they're, they're just two totally different movies. Like this is almost kind of like a psychological, it's pushing psychological thriller territory. A little bit. Like these people tormenting each other kind of thing. And these, you know, you, they, they try and get you to believe this, you know, his, his first drill is cursed there because he, you know, all of the stuff they're going back and forth and I don't know. So it, it feels like this one was just in a totally different ballpark than, Dog Day and Dog Day was more of a, I would say it was I I enjoyed it more on kind of a comedy level. Mm. I mean there were just so many things in it that were comical that they played comically, and not saying it was a comedy. I mean it was definitely a drama, but I don't know. They're two very different movies. Well, I think most people would know we're both going to give this a one. Yeah, absolutely. So my absolute favorite of the week was Morbius. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> was to catch a thief on Saturday. Uh, American expatriate John Roby, living in high style on the Riviera, is a retired cat burglar. He must find out who a copycat is to keep a new wave of jewel thefts from being pinned on him. High on the list of prime victims is Jesse Stevens in Europe to help daughter Frances find a suitable husband. Grace Kelly. <laughs> Grace, Grace Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> Can I have your number? This was easily my favorite movie of the week. So, this was fucking great. I loved it. For those of you who don't know, this is an Alfred Hitchcock it's movie. It's another Hitchcock movie. Absolutely incredible. Totally different Hitchcock, though. This did not have the subtlety of Dial, Dial M, no, I think. I didn't. This was This was a very different type of movie, but god damn it, this was a great fucking movie. So I threw this on, and my first thought to myself was, Wow, for a movie from the 1950s, this movie looks incredible. Yeah. And I wondered if there was a remaster if done there at was some point. upscaled or something, yeah. So I did some research. Okay. There was a 2012 4K version of this movie. Okay. So that was the remaster. Sure. When Paramount Plus decided to do their own thing with it, I don't know if you've heard of this, but there is a Paramount Presents version of this movie that came out in 2020, which is, I believe, the one that we That's watched. That's what we watched. Um, and from what I understand and what I read, the remastered or the Paramount Presents version, which came out eight years after the remaster version, is actually the worst of the two. The remaster version is worse? No, the Paramount oh, Presents 
fucked up the remaster that they did in 4K back in 2012. Really? By like fucking with the colors and all of these things that really like a so lot we need of to this. Get our hands on that 4K remaster. The 4K <laughs> remaster from 2012, I hear, is where it's at. Interesting. But I was just like, my mouth was just like agape because I was like, this movie is from the the 50s. Yeah, this movie looks fucking in- incredible. Like some of the most beautiful cinematography I've ever seen. And then that's what got me digging because I was like, there's no way they had this quality of camera back in the 50s. Dude, and just some of the shots of stuff they did in this, the car chase scenes. Mm-hmm. And like, like I love that at the beginning of the movie, it, it, it felt like it went on forever, but in a good way where they go to his house and he leaves and then he like dupes him driving around the city and, yep. and you know, goes and back and, but like, like it hops it on was, the bus it took and forever. But the fact that they, that he just kind of held on that whole thing, you know? No, I, I think know. there was definitely some stylistic things that they were experiment or Alfred Hitchcock was experimenting with a little bit because there was a lot more dynamic camera movements in this film versus like dial M for murder. Mm-hmm. Like, you could tell, like, the technology had developed in a way that he was able to do more stylistic choices with this film versus Dial M. But that doesn't take away anything from the writing, the acting, just the storytelling that he's able to provide in his films. Because, again, that's one of my favorite things is just how well information is presented there's no unnecessary bullshit oh, in yeah, the film. Oh no, yeah, there's no fat in this. This is <laughs> this lean is a, as it this gets. is a clean hand trimmed <laughs> cut from the from the butcher. Um yeah. It's just I I don't know. John Williams is great. Yep. I I love him. I think Terry Grant. Cary Grant is fantastic. I will say at times I was wondering if he was constipated though. I didn't know if the sun was in his eyes, but but I think that's just his face. Um, no, I, I he did fantastic job. Grace Kelly, I you know not someone who until Dial M I even I even really had ever seen in anything, but she's fantastic. Um, I mean every everyone in this is fantastic. I honestly. Might go out on a limb here and say that John Williams is one of my favorite actors <laughs> ever from now on. Between this role and his detective role in Dial M. Yeah. I'm just like, this dude is just such a... He's such a manner to him that I just respect. And he's so sophisticated and witty and cunning. And it's, it's I, I just like the way he portrays characters. So this this is what blows my mind though that this and Dial M for Murder are only a year apart yeah. from each other. Yeah, but I mean that's that's the other thing. Like you said, you know, perhaps there's there's some more experimentation with with some of the filming styles, but at the same time, it's just it's almost like the range of movie that Hitchcock can do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He can make a a, a riveting movie out of only the living room of someone's apartment and also a sweeping spy thief chase, not spy, it's thief. We'll get to the spy one next week. <laughs> but, uh, 
uh, thief, you know, chasing across the city. But no, I, I think, uh, I, I think cause we have plenty Alfred Hitchcock movies that neither of us have seen. And that's a, that's a fucking crime. I don't think we can call ourselves movie buffs knowing what we know now. We haven't seen shit, right? I mean, there's <laughs> so many movies. And I think, uh, I think at this point they've just been both so enjoyable that if I find a Hitchcock movie on any streaming service, it's immediately going to the top of like my own personal queue from our list that I have ready to go. And uh, I think we I, just have to commit. Dude. I think I'm shooting for one a week. I think we just have to commit to a Hitchcock week. Yeah. I just think. But that might just ruin the rest of that's, the experience. That's what I'm saying. I just think like having these gems in there every now and then is so nice to have one that you don't necessarily expect to be as good as it is for no particular reason other than yeah i don't know it's older and i have no idea but they've just been fantastic i don't know i don't know what else to say it's a great fucking movie it's a great story everybody and it's great it's fun i love the swooning wittiness of characters written in the 50s i think i'm, I'm growing to really enjoy the <laughs> We need to watch some Rat Pack movies. Yes, let's do the it. original Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> I'm down. I mean, I'll talk about how great this was. All this was a day. fantastic movie. The pacing, just the scenery. Something I did look into a little bit too was because this was supposed to be like southeastern France, right? Southeastern, southwestern France. I am not entirely sure. Um, and I wanted to know because it, it seems like there was shots that seemed like they were filmed on location, and then others that were definitely filmed back in California. And from my knowledge, most of this movie was filmed in California. Okay, where like some of maybe the background drop sets and things like that were filmed in southeastern, western France. I don't remember which coast it is. Southwestern is what I'm going to stick with. But either way, amazing movie. I am such a Alfred Hitchcock fanboy. It's not even funny. And as Scott said, I'm I'm embarrassed to say how little of his films I've seen. But from what I have seen, <laughs> bring me more. We've Don't you worry, pal. Bring me more. We've got more to come. But this is definitely unanimous. One out of one for me. Absolutely. One out of one for Scott. We're not doing too bad. It's five out of six. Sounds right to me. I'm about to be five out of seven. Here we go. <laughs> Morbius. Somebody had to jump on the grenade. That was myself. Oh, no one had to jump on the grenade. Don't. As don't much kid as yourself. we've shit on this trailer <laughs> for the past, I don't know how many months, I felt if we did not watch this movie, we had no we, leg we, to stand on. We committed for, crimes against humanity. We, we had to go see it, and obviously it wasn't something we could both agree to go to, so I had to use one of my picks to send us to the movie theater. Uh, the only reason you did that was because we already decided before we decided to go see Morbius that we were going to watch... Uh, Tragedy. No, 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 no. I'm sticking to what I'm saying. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, I'll give it to you. I sacrificed, you I sacrificed my scores on the rating scale. <laughs> So I could be true to this podcast. Uh, we went and saw let's Morbius. Let's get on with it. <laughs> dangerously ill with a rare blood disorder and determined to save others suffering his same fate, Dr. Michael Morbius attempts a desperate gamble. 
What at first appears to be a radical success soon reveals itself to be a remedy potentially worse than the disease. I said it at the beginning. I think the best part of this movie was the trailers before it. <laughs> and the worst part of most movies before this was the Morbius trailer the Morbius that tra- played before the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dude, I came, in, I came into this movie expecting nothing. So, like, I really couldn't be disappointed <laughs> afterwards. Disappointed. Well, it's like that meme from Mouth in the Middle. I expect nothing, and yet I'm still disappointed. <laughs> this was... <sighs> this was bad. Sony needs to stick to the animated Spider-Man. They're do, they, they did a great job with that. And, uh, the next one looks really to, good, too. They need to leave it to Marvel. Yeah, they really just need to let go of the reins. And I understand why they're holding on. Sure. Like money, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just it's bring. embarrassing almost to see the difference of not even production value because I I think we both agreed this had decent enough visual effects and special effects. Yes. Yet there wasn't any thought into the character into maybe the, the origins the writing, of the comic, the writing. The it writing was, just... was the only thing wrong with this movie. I I feel so strongly about how poor the writing was that I would say that is the that is the main and probably only thing. I think I I mean I couldn't even comment on anything else because I honestly felt positive about like I I liked some aspects of this. I really thought some of the the effects that they used for you know him, whether or not it made sense or whatever you know is is a different thing. But it's a superhero movie, right? So whatever. But like the, I don't even know what you call that. The kind of like smoke effects of him moving around and like I thought I thought the CGI was pretty solid. I liked all the effects that I saw. I liked use of slow motion. Yeah, and they threw like the the purple in there too, like the color of this colors, movie I thought yeah. was really cool. And I like Dolby. <laughs> Dolby made this a lot better <laughs> than it needed not, to be. Yeah, whether or not that has anything to do with And I think me and Scott found movie. the perfect seats. Yes. Like we were at a Yes. We weren't center, we were just slightly off center, but the location of sub and sound just it was it was very the sub was great. We had some talkers in the theater too and I I never felt bothered by them. No. Um so let's just let, let's dive into this really shortly and then we can we can forget it forever. This movie started with a flashback, then went forward into another flashback, into a future for like the amount of times they jumped time in the span of a 10 minute exposition was just insane yeah it didn't make a whole lot of sense and i i, I, I <laughs> most of the movie did. yeah i mean that i mean for those 10 minutes that that gives you a good idea as to where the rest of this movie was going was the fact that it was so there was no concrete idea that was decided upon by the the director or producer of this. <laughs> like maybe they were just like, "I want to do this," and they're like, "Well, I want to do that." I think it was more screenplay. And then they just were honest. like, "Let's just meet in the middle, and we both get what we want." But I just, yeah. I don't know. That was yeah, I don't know. Man. That was the first issue, followed by, and I guess if you're looking at superhero films, 
you know, predictability, but this seemed like, yeah, this seemed the worst out of anything I've seen as far yeah. as what Again, was going I, to happen. I just think writing. I mean, I, I, I would even go out on a limb and say, I didn't even hate the performances. I, I'm not a huge fan of Jared Leto these days. I, I didn't, he wasn't even as obnoxious as I was expecting him to be in this role. I thought Matt Smith was fine. I thought everyone did the best they could with what they were given, which was shit. <laughs> I just think, I mean, the writing was so awful. The story shit didn't make sense or only happened to, to further something in the plot that didn't even necessarily need furthering. I mean, I don't know. Just the whole, it started for me. It, it probably could have started a lot earlier, but the point where I think I was done with it was when they're on the boat and the henchman dude comes in and he's just being a dick for no reason. I mean, it was obviously because he bad man. It was so stupid and it was just to make them all bad guys. So when for no reason they come in and just start shooting the place up <laughs> like I, it just shit didn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, I, that was really oh bad, and that was pretty early on in the film. That was super early on, and it's like, <laughs> why? Right when he why are the they change. shooting at all? Like they're on international waters. They agreed to bring these people out there for some reason, just let them conduct their experiments and be done. But yet, we're gonna come in guns blazing so that we can show that Morbius is a vampire now, and, and he's done. Also, they're on international waters. Isn't that kind of the point of being out there so they don't have the law to deal with? But Yet they the have law. to deal with the law anyways. anyways. Like, what the fuck is is Tyrese Gibson's jurisdiction? Why is he even around? I I, I don't know. It just oh my god, the whole fucking story was dumb. Well, that goes into a better question about like what is this entire Sony universe that we we even know? Because number one, obviously they're aware of like Venom and things yeah. in this city. Yeah, like, which best joke in the movie because they didn't do it, do it the way they did it in, in the, the trailer. trailer yes congratulations <laughs> to them but then you look at this after credit scene which i i, I don't even again, remember it at this point dude no the falcon <laughs> gets happened? oh yeah he gets like teleported into this universe so a marvel to sony downgrade is how i'm gonna call it <laughs> poor michael keaton yeah michael that. michael keaton <laughs> i'm sorry dude but anyways he appears it pretty much rewrites anything we know about Spider-Man because he remembers Spider-Man. And then he's like, I'm bad guy. You're bad guy. Let's team up against Spider-Man, which I guess... Which is... wasn't even really what he said. And that's what... I mean, it's open enough, I guess. I'm, I'm curious to Well, he's see. like, we're guys that are like each guys other. Guys like us. That's all he says. Yeah. He says, he's like, guys like us, you know, we should team up. And <laughs> Jared Leto's like, uh, okay. I'm in. Sure. Sure. What, yeah, I guess. You're like, wait, what? You don't even know this guy? Like, is he not? Maybe maybe Falcon isn't a bad guy. In the, I don't know from the comics. I don't know what happens with that. But yeah, it is weird, the separation of we, we actually have two Marvel, two seemingly separate Marvel universes, which I'm guessing they're just playing off as some multiverse shit. Mm-hmm. Considering the, what was the... The Eddie Brock after credit scene and oh, was so that after he got tran- yeah what was that? Venom oh, yeah. two. He got transported into Tom Holland's universe. 
and then he got transferred. That happens back. in Venom Two. Venom Two is where he gets transferred to the oh. universe, and at the end of No Way Home, he gets transferred back, leaving a bit of Venom. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. See, that's why I didn't fully get that after credit scene because I didn't know he was our. I just assumed he was like. Yeah, at the very he end of Venom here, 2, he, he in, was like chilling in a hotel room. Okay. He gets transported. The news turns on. Tom Holland is being, you know, outed as Spider-Man. And Venom's right. like, I fucking hate Spider-Man. And then uh, at the end of No Way Home. Yeah, he's there. He's, he's at the there. Bar, he's at the bar. Back, gets sent yeah. back. Now in this and film, Michael Keaton gets sent to this universe. And that's another gripe is that how heavy they like pushed him in the advertisement in the yeah and the trailers of this film yeah and he's just an after and he's scene. an after credit scene <laughs> which makes you wonder if he was intended to have more more i don't know or if just sony's like on their last straw and they're like oh everybody it's trying anything remember michael keaton as falcon <laughs> i remember i remember michael <laughs> three keaton. years ago when we finally made it <laughs> A decent move by letting, letting Marvel, Marvel have a say take in Spider-Man. Oh, God. Which I can't even say that now that I've seen more of the Andrew Crawford Spider-Man. It's like, yeah. But just knowing everything around that at the time. I don't know. This movie is definitely getting shit on by a lot of people. And I I, think I will continue so. to shit on yeah, it. I yeah, I rightly so. There, and we didn't get too much into... A lot of the things that we probably could have. Yeah, this would be a whole. This would be another one of those whole episode in and of itself, just for us to shit on, crack Morbius. a beer, and and just just trash the movie. It yeah. wouldn't take much effort, and I don't like being that negative these days anymore. So, <laughs> say we just leave it at that. I would give this a. I think it's it's tough to even give this a zero. If we could go negative. Please don't. <laughs> no, I, I like my kidding. point total. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've been doing better. <laughs> <laughs> just teasing. No, I, I would I would give this a zero. I, I don't think like I said, there it sucks because there are elements you like decent things in this, but it, it just the story was nothing. And mm-hmm. also, I don't know, I guess it's hard. Last thing I'll say to wrap this up, because we're we're gonna go nowhere. But uh I, I think just the character itself. I don't really buy. You know what I mean? In the scope of... Like, there's some people that are like, oh, Batman doesn't fit in with superheroes because he's just a normal guy. And You know what I mean? Like, there are people like that. There are people that with certain superheroes, they're like, this has no right being a superhero. I don't feel that strongly about Morbius, but it's just kind of a weird... It's like Marvel's Batman, but they took it to a new weird level. It seems like the opposite direction, though. Batman. Because I think there's an article that said... Jared Leto wants to fight all three Spider-Mans in a Morbius movie. So so Morbius is a bad guy? That's to, what I think is very... That's what I... Because I thought that to, with the Sony thing is yes. they, they like the anti-heroes kind of thing, right? I mean, you got Venom, but they, they're not really... They, they say they're anti-heroes, but they're not. They're just fucking heroes, mm-hmm. right? They're not really, in any of their movies, they don't do anything bad. I mean, Morbius kills the henchman on the boat, but they can't even stick to that where, oh no, he fucked up and now he's a monster and now we have to deal with that in the movie and he's dealing with that. It's like, no, we make the henchman 
the most like obviously shitty people on the planet so that when he kills them, it's not that bad, but also he's grappling with the morality of having killed people. So he's an anti-hero. And it's like, no, what the fuck are you talking about? Like stick with it or don't. Yeah. I don't know. And I know this also helps in bringing blade. Interesting. To like the Marvel universe. Yeah. I think Marvel's actually getting blade. Whereas like Sony still has Morbius. So like, I don't know. There's such a weird, kind of gray area between these two companies. Theoretically, that could be really fucking cool, but you know an execution, it's going to be shit. If Sony gets it, well, we're <laughs> fucked. Um, but no, you um, gave it a zero out of one. I'm going to give this a one out of one. Boost my cred. Just keep your score <laughs> even. I can't do that, that to myself. Sleazy. I can't do that to myself. Zero out of one, but I needed to do it. To be fair, though, five out of seven is not too shabby. No. No, not not the worst week we've had since we started raiding. So, no. hey, not not too bad. And I think we're, like I said, I don't know if it's the raiding that's doing this, but I think we're both kind of getting into more of, of picking decent shit. Like, uh, no offense to you and your previous picks of <laughs> <laughs> random stuff that was promoted to you. You know what? I haven't really services. changed my ways. I've just used the list like a little more a little often. Bit. Yeah, that's changing your ways. I said I haven't really changed my ways. I'm that's... not saying I haven't at all changed my ways. All right. I'm still <laughs> seeing what Netflix <laughs> recommends me. I throw that shit up on the list every week. Well, yeah, next week we have... The Bubble. The Bubble, the new Netflix movie. So... We got my other pick, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I'm so pumped. I love Sonic. And and the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see what you, because I'm not a huge, oh, we'll talk about this next week. We don't need to get into it here, but <laughs> I am I am curious to see what you have to say about the movie, because I didn't know Knuckles was, like, was Knuckles bad at some point? I don't, I'm not a huge Sonic So from one person. of the games that I played on Nintendo Dreamcast. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> okay. I was. On, uh, and to be fair, if we won't, we'll get into this discussion next week. Sure. But Knuckles worked under Shadow. Okay. Or worked with yeah, Shadow. Yeah, I didn't know that. So they were Knuckles bad. Gotcha. Not to say he can't. So be he good. didn't. He didn't know the way. <laughs> he and didn't. Now, and now he know the way. Now he know the way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I feel like we've been talking for like six hours, <laughs> yeah. so I don't want to stay this too long like on this outro. Episode, but. but anyway, uh, as always, thanks for listening, and you can check out our movies of the week on Instagram at NDNM Podcast or Twitter Twitter at NDNM Podcast. You can email us, Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, just tell us what you think of us. Anything. <laughs> if you listen to us, shoot us an email. But here we go, rambling on again. Hit it! We didn't do K-Bye. I was going to do it after the... Oh. <laughs> K-Bye! K-bye.